Hello, everyone. Today we start a series of podcasts about digital humanities projects related to memory, activism, and archives in the Spanish-speaking world. We have invited to our studio Alex Galarza and Mariana Ramirez, both from Haverford College in Pennsylvania. Alex Galarza graduated from Michigan State University with a PhD in history and worked as a digital liberal arts fellow for the Mellon Scholars Program at Hope College in Michigan. He is the Council on Library and Information Resources Postdoctoral Fellow in Data Curation for Latin American and Caribbean Studies at Haverford College. Here, he leads the development of the Grupo de Apoyos Digital Archive in Guatemala. Mariana Ramirez is an anthropology and Spanish major with a concentration in Latin American and Iberian Studies at Haverford College. She has been involved with a Grupo de Apoyo Mutuos digitization project since her sophomore year and sees her work with the project as an important way to promote historical memory. Hello, Alex and Mariana. Welcome, and Alex, welcome back to Michigan State University and to our podcast series. Thank you for having us. Thank you for inviting us. You have presented about GAM, Digital Archive at this year's Global Digital Humanities Symposium at MSU. Alex, could you tell us briefly about the Grupo de Apoyo Mutuo and its relation to the Desaparecidos and the Archivo Histórico de la Policía Nacional in post-war Guatemala? So the Grupo de Apoyo Mutuo is founded by people looking for desaparecidos. These are family members of victims who were disappeared, to made disappeared by state security forces during the armed internal conflict of Guatemala, which officially spans from 1960 to 1996. The GAM is founded in 1984, mm -hmm. largely by women who were looking for their loved ones or who knew exactly what happened to their loved ones, but were pushing for accountability or justice. The relationship between the GAM and its founding, looking for the disappeared and what the GAM is today, is that the GAM is an organization that serves victims. So its motto is justice for the disappeared, but also the ramifications of the armed internal conflict have shaped an entire landscape of human rights violations that the GAM is involved in today. So they are a, a, an organization composed of survivors, of, um, of family members of the disappeared, uh, whose activities s kind of circle around uh, assisting those uh, surviving family members in their search for justice or closure or uh, help of any kind, of apoyo. And um, the relationship between the GAM and the Archivo Histórico de la Policía Nacional, or the AHPN, is an interesting one because when the AHPN is um, kind of stumbled on by accident, largely it was a series of coincidences and happenstance that um, led to the rediscovery or the, um, the making public of what the police always knew existed, that they had an archive, but when people would push for information, they would say, oh, we have no records of what happened during that, that time of violence. So that absence of record was something that served their impunity. And when this uh, cache of documents, there's over 80 million documents, and it's a hard number to visualize, you really have to go and see uh, an entire complex filled with room after room after room of boxes now that they're organized before it was just piles of paper to see how many how many documents this is the entire police history since the 19th century. The GAM 
has a number of people who worked at the HPN as volunteers. In fact, three, four members who are very critical in the project to in our partnership to launch the digital archive cut their teeth or brought experience from their work at the HPN to the management, the kind of rescate, the preservation and description of the materials at the GAM archive. Good. And Alex and Mariana, could you tell us briefly about your respective roles in the GAM project? So I serve as project lead. I was hired by Haverford in 2017 as a postdoctoral fellow in data cremation for Latin American and Caribbean studies, explicitly to, re to lead a project that the library had been approached by the Grupo Apoyo Muto to develop. And so I, I teach at Haverford, I manage the project, and I serve as a member of the digital scholarship team um, with the GUM project as my main responsibility that involves working with really impressive and amazing undergraduates like Mariana. Uh, yeah, I am an undergraduate student. Um, I've been involved with the project since my sophomore year uh, in the fall of 2017. I've been working with other compañeros um, in a variety of tasks from transcribing documents to creating metadata to creating authority records. But the most meaningful, um, my most meaningful relationship to the archive is in producing scholarship um, as one of the first people to really look at the archive thoroughly um, and produce research from it. Yes, and Mariana, what challenges have you encountered so far? Um, I would say an important challenge that has come up has been vicarious trauma um, and realizing that so many of the documents um, are really trauma-informed. They contain uh, graphic descriptions of violence and really sensitive material, so that's been a challenge for all of us, I would say. Um, and the way we've been able to overcome this has been by relying on um, institutional support through uh, our counseling uh, department mm -hmm. and relying on one another, talking about the documents, and really practicing self-care, I would say. And Alex, from your point of view, challenges? The vicarious trauma is definitely, it's definitely one that resonates with me and beyond campus and psychological services and each other. I think we've, we've tried to draw on both professional resources that are often also scholarship about what it's like to work with these kinds of materials. So there are readings and there are other experiences that we've um, ourselves read as a team and the compañeros have read just, just to let them know that this kind of stuff is is known. It's 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 normal in a way to be exposed to this kind of trauma and and to have a cost, and also to kind of put a, work, a warning label on the project. During our interview phase, we laid out to everyone that this is um, an, an opportunity. It's an ex a very exciting one to be part of meaningful worth, but it's not cost free. And engaging with these materials is something that everyone kind of grapples with in their own way. But we try and do it as collectively as possible, and we try and model. Um, in our team at the library um, by sharing kind of anecdotes about how this has affected us in our work. And then finally, I'd say I'm very curious, Trama de Gam is a tremendous resource just to know why we're doing this and to work with a community organization that's, um, that's so supportive and eager for us to be successful um, and so generous in their understanding of um, how to navigate these kinds of challenges in the project. That's been a, that's been a tremendous resource. Okay, and um, let me go back a little bit. Alex, uh, since when and how you developed 
an interest for digital humanities? And how did you come to this idea to apply it to this specific repository in the context of post-war Guatemala? So I arrived here at Michigan State with a strong interest in information technology. I worked in IT uh, at a help desk, uh, largely because I spoke Spanish and they needed somebody who spoke Spanish. And I received excellent mentorship here at Michigan State from um, a friend, Lee Graves-Wolf, who uh, made me aware of Matrix. Mm -hmm. And I showed up uh, at Matrix's door and uh, just said, this was an interest of mine. I'm learning about this digital humanities term that I've that I've heard. And the Cultural Heritage Informatics Fellowship was kind of the formal way that I was able to just have permission and freedom to explore these methodologies and make them meaningful for my research. So when I started to develop my dissertation project, I had already been exposed to the work that was happening at Matrix, other graduate students who had kind of blazed that trail here at MSU, but also opened up to a community of practice and digital humanities that really centered uh, in that camps, the humanities and technology camps. There was a moment where a lot of these um, kind of gatherings of people who were interested in these kinds of methods were coming together and that um, kind of legitimated that interest and also planning for a career made it um, made it clear that these uh, methods were both exciting for the research but that there was also positions and careers that were being um, kind of labeled alt-ac at the time that made me hopeful that this was this was something that I could pursue as a way to develop the kind of scholarship that I was really passionate about, scholarship that's public-facing, that's collaborative, that meets um, a broad public audience where they are, and selecting the digital tools was all about that. What is it that the question that I'm asking needs in terms of technology or the audience that I want to reach needs in terms of technology that I can learn? And there's a lot of people here to help teach me that and kind of just also give me permission that this was a good way to be spending my time because it's really important as a graduate student to have that. Good. I think you have said something that is very important to understand how your approach to digital humanities as a, as a tool you know, to, to explore, to study um, the contents of this repository. And in your exploration, when you were getting used to um, what digital humanities is, is and how can it be used, uh, you may you you use the term meaningful. How to make it it meaningful? Mm -hmm. It is for, to provide a meaningful service is, uh, to the final goal. No, that is uh, preserving the this archive. At the same time that you are you and your team, you're organizing it. And in that, Alex and Mariana, I see a lot of respect. You are restoring respect. You know, to all those documents produced. Or that 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 took that were produced in such a violent um, context. I think that is that is one of the contributions, the big contributions your project is is making, and it's admirable. And Mariana, could you tell us how did you come to um, um, to be interested in digital humanities and in post-war Guatemala? What called your attention to be where you are now? Yeah, so this is actually my first um, encounter with digital humanities. Um, and so far, I'm both intimidated by it a little bit, but also really inspired. Um, and Alex talked a little bit about 
accessibility and producing public-facing uh, knowledge. And this is something that the GAM staff members talk a lot about, and I see a lot of potential in digital humanities as being a tool for perpetuating and promoting historical memory, especially among younger generations, um, because they talk a lot about how post-war in post-war Guatemala, the armed conflict isn't really something that is talked about as much, and it's not really part of the curriculum. But through digital humanities and through this digital archive, there is possibility that younger people can learn about it um, because, like I was saying, it's not really something that's mentioned a lot. And even within family members, like it could be the case that because of trauma and other um, reasons, grandparents might not want to talk about it and what happens when they die. Um, so it's important that they have access to archives like this. Yes, yeah. I, I, I agree, and I, I keep thinking that uh, the fact that you are putting this all together, putting this big puzzle together in an organized way and to make it available, visible, known, revealing it, because it's, it, otherwise it remains unknown for, na, for the non-Spanish-speaking world or for outside of Guatemala. It's, it's really a great act of respect uh, to the disappeared. So, Alex, what is happening next with the GAM project? And uh, do you have another digital archive or digital humanities project in mind? So what's happening next is we've been building over the last two years a plan that is sustainable within a period in which you have a postdoc come into an institution, lead a project, and have a lot of energy, a lot of excitement, a lot of resources that are available to build a thing. The question of what happens after that kind of dynamic position transitions out is something that there's a lot more documentation and attention and conversation happening now in digital humanities around sustainability. And so from the outset, we we tried our best to come up with a plan that opened up as many possibilities we could for what this project could look like that offered our um, community partners a series of options for what the platforms could do, what capacities they have, what kind of implications come with selecting certain metadata schemes uh, or storage options. So the this work is also not neutral. We've um, been very conscious that this is an activist project by the GUM and that the way that we um, shape the tools affects the kind of questions that can be asked, the, the kinds of stories that can be told from the archive. So we've really relied on a set of experts both uh, with our partner organization, but also at Haverford College. I'm part of a team of digital scholarship practitioners and also other people in the library um, who have uh, subject matter expertise in Guatemala who can inform that we are being deliberate and conscious about how we shape these tools that are political. And so the culmination of that work is the launch of our public-facing site, which is going to be a selection of between 20 and 30 cases that we have explicit authorization from family members to share publicly. There are 3,300 cases in the collection of the disappeared. And as Mariana was saying um, when talking about vicarious trauma, there's very sensitive materials in this. And it's not only just because it's violent, it's because it has personal identifiable information in it. So we have addresses and names of accused, mm -hmm. things that should not be out in the public. And so in uh, an effort to build a digital archive and to open up access to it, we have to temper that uh, potential for shifting historical memory by sharing as much as possible with respect for privacy and security of people who never intended 
when they came to the gum and gave their testimony for there to be a public-facing archive. So there's a tension there between the potential to shift historical memory and the respect for, for victims. So that's coming hopefully at the end of March. We'll also be having our partners from Guatemala visiting us at Haverford for a symposium on archives that disappeared in historical memory on April 11th and 12th. Good. Yes, it's such a great and at the same time sensitive and delicate work you are doing that. Congratulations on it. Please keep going. So I would like now to conclude this conversation thanking our guests today, Alex and Mariana, and invite you to read and listen about their work on the Grupo de Apoyo Mutuo Digital Archive at ds.haverford.edu slash gam hyphen archive slash index. Thank you for being here today. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. Okay. Last but not least, the ideas and opinions expressed on this podcast do not reflect those of the College of Arts and Letters, any of our sponsors, or any official entities of Michigan State University. I also want to thank our technical producer, Daniel Trego. Tune in for our next podcast that will be in another project of digital humanities in the Spanish-speaking world. Thank you.